Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Hubner, hey, Murph and Fred back together again on ESPN 1000. All right, let's get rolling. Busy day. Glad you're with us live downtown. It's Murph and Fred every Saturday, 9 till noon, except Fred today. Except today at 11 <laughs> o'clock, we're going to make way for college football tailgate. What happens at they're, they're live at Rookies and Elgin, wow. Jay Hood. Yeah. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, breaking down the college football. You've got a Georgia fan, a USC fan, and mm-hmm. an Alabama fan. You put them in one room. What do you get? I don't know. What? You get the college football tailgate ah. show at 11 o'clock today. Three three two three seven seven six. Murph and Fred from 9 until 11, which means we got That's one more than 10. We got to shove, uh, oh, like EO11. Our guy, Eric Ostrowski, with us this week. Good to see EO11. EO11. <laughs> and, uh, Fred, normally we have about 10 hours to shove into a three-hour show. Today we have 10 hours to shove into a two-hour two show. Yeah, we better start shoving. Let's get rolling. Uh, guest free today. We got too much to cover to have any guests come in, and then frankly, they're tired of us probably asking them to come on anyway. So. Plus, we heard one of our favorite guests, Mark Potash, was on with ah, Cap yesterday. I did. Check it out. You can go ca- check it out on the uh, yeah. Cap and Company podcast on ESPN, the ESPN app. Mm-hmm. Mark Potash at the Sun Times does a terrific job. Everyone calls him Potsy. Yeah, except us. I call him Mark. Yeah. Until someone says it's okay to do that, then I always just use their name. Uh-huh. Sometimes I call him Marcus. Do you, which, what do you call Sylvie? Do you call Sylvie Mark also? I, I haven't seen Sylvie since the last holiday party. Yeah. When I see him, I'll go, hello. Mark? Well, I don't know. Does it, Do I know him well enough to say Sylvie? Now, listen, if, if Mark is spelled with a C, doesn't that mean it's short for Marcus? I always call him Marcus. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Got to check with him next time I talk to him. Enough of this. Let's get rolling. All right, uh, EO11. Let's go to our first Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll for the day. And, uh, oh, I like this one, Fred. Multiple choice. Everybody vote right now at ESPN 1000. Multiple choice. Question is, who dictates play in the NFL? What? All right. Who dictates play in the NFL? A, the offense. B, the defense. C, the stronger and dominant side of the ball. Who's got the bigger, fastest, tougher, greatest athlete? Or D, who dictates what dictates the plays in the NFL? The schemes and matchups. All right? Vote right now. We got to check it out because there's only, we only have three on the on the website. Oh, I added the fourth one there on the train coming in. There you go. Eric. Interesting. Okay, editing. Okay. <laughs> now, I added the fourth I only voted. One. I added a fourth one uh, on the old uh, Metra uh, near the uh, Oak Lawn uh, stop this morning about seven oh five. What you're wit- what you're witnessing right now is uh, radio production on the air, and it's never any fun. <laughs> a B C. And we all learned it from Steve Dahl. Or, he, he, he brought it to to fruition. Or D. Schemes and matchups. All right. So uh, three three two three seven seven six. For the reason I bring this up, and I'd like to have anyone jump in because I know again I'm out of step, Charlie. On this, my actual name is Michael. Out of step, Charles. Okay, Murphy. Right. So uh, all week long, and, and I don't have probably anything to you know. I, I don't have a leg to stand on, as I used to say. But it's been uh, and Fred. I'll say this: no one knows football better than you. 
not at this station, any of the radio. There's well, guys that know as much as you. I'm know, not saying yeah. you're ahead of people, but no one's at, no one knows more than you. Tommy, that's, that's me. Tommy knows the wide receiver route tree much better oh, than I right. do. Tom Waddle does. Right. And, oh, uh, well, yeah. no guy. I'm not some counting, of the defensive schemes and stuff well, like that. I'm not that, counting but, guys that played the game. Yeah. So, okay. And, but some of those things I've tweeted out this year, people think I know nothing about oh. football. So we'll discuss that. <laughs> Well, if you know next to nothing, and I know less than you. So that's, that's the way that is. But all week long, and vote right now uh, at ESPN 1000. Who dictates play in the NFL? The offense, the defense, the uh, stronger and dominant side of the ball, more dominant, or the schemes and the matchups. And we all know why this is the topic. And I've heard almost universal anger, outrage, at uh, Loggins and uh, Fox said it again. Uh, Not Loggins and Messina. No, Loggins no, no. and Fox. <laughs> Foxy, Foxy said uh, again uh, uh, yesterday. He says, uh, well, Fox, try, according to the uh, Sun-Times here, the uh, Fox tried again. He tried again to uh, sort of clarify this at the uh, presser yesterday. Fox said, so if they double or triple cover Cohen... Odds are the ball is not going to him, Fox said. In fact, we'd probably prefer it didn't. So what I meant by dictating where the ball goes, that's more related to uh, touches than yada, yada, yada. So I heard universal anger, and I've heard from some great fans out there. I've been listening all week. Our on-air guys, guys that played the game uh, probably, uh, and, and Fred, everyone said the offense dictates uh-huh. what the plays are. Yep. Don't let the defense do it. But I'm thinking it can't be 100% of the time. It can't always be. The offense has to dictate. And, and Well, if you're going back in the day, if you were going up against the defense like the 85 Bears, then the defense dictated what you could do. Okay, so okay. it's not... A hundred percent of the time. I wouldn't think it's a hundred percent of the time. But when you're going up against the defense mm-hmm. known as the Green Bay Packers, right. you should not let them dictate what you do. Now, and again, I'm not here to defend Fox, nor am I here to defend Dow Loggins. But I want I, I think I know everyone I know everyone doesn't like Fox, and I know everyone doesn't like uh, offensive coordinator Loggins. And I don't like these guys much. I never wanted Fox here in the beginning because I thought it should have been a young coach with the rebuild. I agree. I agree. And then, you know, I slowly but surely I came to say, hey, the guys seem to be playing hard for Fox. Fox was growing yeah, at you, from but there, from right. the beginning, it never made sense to, to have a re- You look at not that the Cubs are the golden rule here, not at all. But you look at the Cubs, they brought in Dale Swim. Uh-huh when it was going to be a rebuild, and maybe they were hoping this is the guy long-term. They didn't bring in a Joe Madden guy. Not that Joe was available, but anyone like that, uh, right away. Uh, the White Sox, they may or may not stick with Renteria. Who knows? They'll right. find out. If they don't think he's the guy, boom, then they'll upgrade as Theo did on the north side. It never made sense to me to have Fox as the guy to come in with the rebuild. Anyway, that's neither here nor there at this moment. I know everyone is tired of Fox, and I know everyone's tired of Loggins. So it was real easy to jump on these guys when they made the phrase, and they made the statements this week independently, or they probably talked behind the scenes. I'm not an idiot. I do know that. But all of a sudden it was, oh, my God, the offense always dictates. But then I'm thinking, well, what if they do double-team Cohen? Or, as Fox said here, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm just quoting him. He says, well, if they triple-team him. Yeah. 
Have they ever triple teamed anyone in football? I don't. I don't think so. But you can maybe have a, a, a roving, uh, you know, a scout guy right. on him, whatever you call it. You know, covering the following the quarterback around. But the point is, let's say a team does triple cover uh-huh. Cohen. They are dictating to you now to not go to him, aren't they? But they are. But. I think the biggest complaint people had wasn't that they didn't go to Tariq Cohen. Uh-huh. Well, it was that they didn't go to Tariq Cohen more. The problem was he was only out there for 13 snaps. I understand. If, in fact, the defense is double or triple teaming Tariq Cohen, that should be a good thing for your offense mm-hmm. because it would leave one or two guys open, which should make it easier for Mitchell Trubisky to find those guys. Right. So by not playing Tariq Cohen and not having an offensive guy double or triple teamed, you are allowing the defense to play better against you than you would have if you would have had Cohen out there and him take the focus off of some of the other guys. My opinion. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 13 snaps is ridiculous. That that's uh, that's about the number of good snaps that Herona, or uh, Cody Whitehair had per game this year. So the uproar over the phrase "the defense can dictate" was more on the fact that Cohen was not out there enough. Right. Right. So the times Cohen was out there, let's just focus on those. Then the defense would be dictating if they're double teaming anybody. Right. You got that means someone's open basically. Right. Well, he had he had two. Two, twice he got the ball in his hands. Yeah. Twice. Two out of 13 times. So, you know, when you have a guy like this who's a weapon, we saw that he was a weapon earlier this year. We saw that Dal Loggins had a lot of things in his trick bag Mm -hmm. to go with um, Tariq Cohen. Is it completely empty right now? Can you not put him on the field? I understand him not being in on third down because he's not as good of a blocking back as Cunningham is. That makes sense. That's the only thing, in my opinion, that they said, that dialogue and said right. that made sense. Three three two three seven seven six. If you're an X's and O's a fan of the game and you want to say, uh, you know, yeah, the offense should always dictate or not. There's a bunch of high school and college coaches oh, yeah. in waiting out there. Now, a few little sidebars to that topic. Uh, we got a few little sound bites here. Great job, uh, EO eleven. Here, uh, here was uh, Chris Spielman, who I think does a great job. I think we've had him two times now or three times over the... Uh, we get him again today, uh, this week. Again this week? Okay. Yeah. And uh, he's fun to listen to. Like all these guys, you know, it's two-thirds factual and one-third got a, the entertainment value. You know, we never can forget that, of course. But uh, here's, uh, here's uh, Spielman during the game. And uh, he has a little statement that he makes that went right past me the first time. Then I regrouped, watched the game again, and uh, thought I'd uh, pull this out and see what uh, you, Fred, that think it is. And uh, you think at three three two three seven seven six, who's calling these plays? You know what? We all know that deep down, the head coach can override anything, right? Of course. However, you know how much of the uh, uh, play uh, calling is uh, really Loggins, the offensive coordinator, or not? And listen closely here, just a short bite. Here's Spielman about the third quarter uh, talking about, uh, well, who should be calling these plays and what should Loggins be thinking and uh, what would Spielman do? If I'm Dow Loggins, i got to say, look, Coach Fox, please let me throw the ball on first down. Give our guys a chance to beat man-to-man coverage. They're out there on first down playing bump and run and press coverage. Eventually, you have to take a shot downfield or throw the ball on first down. All right, stop the tape. Courtesy Fox. Now, Fred, whether that's good strategy or not is uh-huh. not, not our focus at this moment. Or whether, you know, it made sense what he was saying. The point is, here's an insider, 
Chris Spielman, who thinks that right at that moment, Fox is dictating what Dow Loggins is calling. Let me just play the first few seconds again. If I'm Dow Loggins, i got to say, look, Coach Fox, please let me throw the ball right. first down. Okay. Now, did he pull that out of thin air, Spielman? Is it common that all year and Fox and all head coaches basically call every play? No. They can override. That's can... exactly what it is. They can override it. All right. And, and, you know, they probably go in ahead of the game and they sit down and they discuss what their game plan is going to be. Right, right. And then if for some reason Dal Logan says, okay, we're going to run this pass, and all of a sudden Fox says, no, 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 go to a run. And then they would change it at that point. We don't know because we're not on the headsets mm-hmm. how often that happens. And you could tell by this week with John Fox and Dal Loggins and them talking to the media, we'll never know how many how often that happens. Well, that's why I have to rely on Spielman, who's making it sound like a lot of overriding. It does sound like that. Or Loggins is understanding, I know what my boss wants, so why do I want him in my headphones? Come on, no, no, I don't want that. You know what I want. So I'm just going to go with the flow. You don't you don't see him reacting much on the headset. He being Fox? Fox yes. before snaps. You don't now they right. don't they don't show him all that much or right. as much as you would think. Mm-hmm. But if there was a camera on him all the time, I don't know that I've seen him even talking all that much. Most of his talking that they show is afterwards. So we don't know if in fact when Loggins has a play if Fox says, no, we don't want that. So what Spielman might really be saying in parentheses, parenthetically, is Loggins is thinking to himself, oh, I wish that I could call right. this play, but I know in the meetings, like you were saying, yeah. you know, he wants me to do this, not that, right. that, not this. There's not a situation where he wants me to pass the ball. So he's really not, and this might be all 32 teams, don't, don't get us wrong. Right. But still, you, ever, you play games, you played chess when you were a kid or... No, my brothers played chess. Right, well, I played checkers. I played Parcheesi. Right, well, okay. I played Stratego, one of the greatest board games of all time. I never lost Stratego. Oh, Stratego was I the best. I never lost it. it uh huh. Oh, no, it was Battleship I never lost. Yeah, Stratego was the best. Oh, no, Stratego, I never played that. You need to have more strategy. That's why it's all called right. Stratego. Well, Checkers even might have some. some. Chess certainly does. That's well, what I understand. What That's I'm why a, I can, couldn't play it. What I'm alluding enough. to is the great chess players are like seven, eight plays ahead. Yeah. Ten, who right. knows? That's why it was no fun to play when I played my brother. He beat me in four he, moves. He was five, ten moves ahead. Yeah, he was still just, on my one. Bro- my brother Tim is unbelievable. But wouldn't player. an offensive coordinator be doing the same thing? You always hear they're showing this, they're showing that, so later you know they right. can exploit. Let's go to the phones, three three two three seven seven six. It's uh, Mokina Mo. Hello, Mokina Mo. Hi, guys. Morning. Hey, Mo. Hey, do, you, do you think that Dell Loggins and the uh, Coach Fox talked to during the game? I mean, by headsets or by, I mean, on? No, no, if you, hold it. If you watch the game, Mo, if you watch the game, they're standing right next to each other. I'm a season ticket holder, but they don't they don't converse about changing a play in between plays. No, we that's never, no, 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 hold on, take, Mo. Let me just, let me jump in, then you respond back naturally. I think we, we're not trying to imply that. I think we're talking about the override. Like if there's a one play, then Fox can say, no, you know, I don't, you know, no, no, go to pass, go to run. Not every play, but the philosophy. But Spielman, so let's bring it back to that, Mo. We'll bring it back to the soundbite. Let's eavesdrop and listen one more time. If I'm Dow Loggins, I'm going to say, look, Coach Fox, please let me throw the ball on first down. Give our guys a chance. All right. Now, he's not saying he's going to say it. He's not saying he's going to do it. He's saying he's implying. That's what he'd like to say. Back to you, Mo. Go. 
So I can understand that they want to throw on first down, and I'm sure you're going to see that more often, especially this weekend. My other one question was, how long do you guys think you don't like Fox? Um, I've been a season ticket holder for over 35 years. How long do you think it takes, uh, John, I mean, uh, the Bears, to get a coach? How many, how many years do you give the guy? Uh, there's a good chance if he doesn't do, you know, there's a really good chance he'll be gone next year. But I don't, I, I, w- go ahead. I, would agree, I would agree with that, okay? But that's not necessarily saying that it's right. You put Pace in there, and you put Fox in there, just like you were commenting earlier about what the coach of the Cubs. He's an older coach, too. But the question is, or the problem is, is John Fox is just as smart as his game as, um, I can't think of his name, the Cubs manager. Yeah, Joe Madden. But, hey, you know, you know, Mo, you bring up a good point, because the Bears have already had three coaches, I think, I think was since 2012. I mean, gotta, that's ridiculous. You got to let a guy grow with the team or or die with the team. But three three years probably is not enough time. I agree a hundred percent. You got to give the guy another year or two. And with the injuries that he's had, and I understand that's no different than every other team. But that's where most of the fans don't understand it. Mo, bundle up tomorrow. It's going to be thirty five with wind chills of sixteen. That's all right. That's easy to do, man. There you go. Hey, Mokina Mo, I'll buy you beer over at Little L's by the train station. We'll talk more, okay? All right, guys. Thanks, right, Mo. A Mokina reference. There you go. Didn't sound like you knew Little L's by the train station. And he's in Mokina. Best burgers in town, says so right outside. Does it? Must be sm- small town. Yeah. Best bratwurst in town. Best liver sausage there you sandwich. Go. Oh, no, no more There's no sausage. such thing as a best liver sausage sandwich. 332 E11 taking your uh, votes. Right now, who dictates play in the NFL? Uh, offense, defense. What if, uh, if Fred, uh, item C, this would be you with the 85 Bears. Item C, the stronger and more dominant side of the ball right. can dictate the uh, play calling. Yeah, when you go up against a team like in years past, when you go against the Baltimore Ravens defense, right. or the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, or like I said, the Bears defense, you've got to change your offense a little bit to try to counteract what they're going to bring at you, mm-hmm. which is which is a lot. And um, But, it, you know, you can also make the defense play into your hands. That's what you're trying to do if your defense is good enough or offense is good enough. Right now, the Bears offense is not good enough. They have a quarterback that's still learning whose quarterback rating, believe it or not, is still below that of Mike Lennon. Mm-hmm. Um he's still learning. He doesn't know when to throw the ball. He doesn't know when to, you know, uh to 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 get rid of it. There's a lot of things that Mitchell Trubisky, I don't care if he threw for 297 yards, he had an average game last week. And, you know, you can't just look at his yardage. He had an average game. What do you look at? You look at the overall thing. He t- he took five sacks. He didn't throw the ball away. He didn't throw the ball when guys w- guys were open. Um, and a lot all- of people, excuse me, said he had a bad game. I don't. I wouldn't say bad. No, that was, it, it was an average game. It wasn't one to be over the top about. But he did make have, when you're when you're dropping back and throwing the ball, and the defense is playing uh, prevent. It's his fifth NFL. You're going to complete start. a lot of. I know. I know. No, I know. I, yeah, people are. You know, I don't know what they expect from a, Well, I know what they expect. It's hard for me to criticize a guy negatively after five starts. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... With I'm the not team criti- that he's got. Yeah, I'm not criticizing him as much as I'm criticizing the people who said he had a great game. 
It wasn't a great game. If you asked him, he, he wouldn't didn't tell have a you. Great game. He wouldn't tell you he had a great game. I don't care if he was close to three hundred yards. But there were some. See, here's what it, here's what lures you back and lures you back in all of sports. There were some nice plays. He's going to be a really good quarterback. Yes. You, you, what you see is look what he's gotten yeah. around him. Fred. What you see, what you see is very, very promising. You see that he can get away from the from the rush at times. You also see that he yeah. can find receivers. He's got a rocket for an arm, uh-huh. as they're they want to say. Uh, he had a one pass over the middle was tremendous. He just like darted it right over the middle, perfect pass. And uh, he's going to be very good. He needs receivers. He needs better protection. An offensive line that's going to be there each and every week. And he hasn't had that for the last several weeks. So there's a lot to do. But uh, he's not the he's not the worst thing in the Bears right now. Yeah, a little less uh, Seinfeld uh, flashback. That's right. Jay Buhner, Jay Buhner. Why would they trade Jay Buhner? He had a rocket for an arm. Exactly. Jay Buhner, look him up. He was an all-star. Phelps, Phelps. They wanted Phelps. What was his first name? Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps. Ken they wanted Phelps. Ken Phelps. That's all I ever hear about. Yeah. Jay Buhner, the rocket. Let's go to Arlington Heights. Hey, Bill. Yes. Welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Okay, Bill. Welcome aboard. Good. Thank you. So all I have to say is Adam Gase. All right. If we were to call Adam Gase, the quarterback whisperer, look what he's doing in Miami. Nothing. You know, and that has to do with injuries. That has to do with a lot of different things. You know, either, whether Fox overriding, you know, logins or not, uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, it takes the players on the field. You know, maybe that's why Fox got rid of, got rid of you know, he got uh, out of Denver or they kicked him out of Denver because he wasn't as offensive-minded. But at the end of the day, if you do not have the players on the field and you have a Jay Cutler running your offense, you're not going to do well. Bill you, Bill, Bill, you could not be more correct. I, I All week long, I've listened to people uh, in the newspaper and on the radio stations just do nothing but blame Loggins and blame Fox. They were blaming the coaches for the false starts. I've gotten a little bit fed up with people saying that coaches can prevent false starts. <laughs> discipline. No, no, no. <laughs> Ten guys are disciplined. One guy moves, and that's a coach's fault. It, it, you're right. It's all a, a lot of it's on the players, probably most of it on the players. As long as they're coached up, but you can't coach up stupidity. No, you can't coach dumb. Right and uh, dumb is going to stay dumb as as long as they until they get smart. And <laughs> hey, right now, there's a lot of dummies out there. Hey, hey, Bill, one you got another ten seconds, buddy. You sound Absolutely. like a, a great fan, football fan. Uh, not the play that occurred uh, with the Bears, but in general, can you explain the uh, fumble touchback rule to us uh, uh, real quickly? <laughs> Uh, oh, let me let me rephrase that, it. That'd what, be kind of like asking him to explain what's a catch and what's not a catch. What do you think? And I don't mean the Bears play last Sunday. In general, what do you think of a fumble touchback rule in general? I, I just think that was a silly. You know, there's some silly things in NFL. The I rule, know you're the rule. Do you yeah. like it? No, I don't like it in, in this particular case. You're down, to you the, to, you're down to the one yard line. You have to draw the line somewhere, right? You know, there's ah. somewhere someone has to. All right, but but it's a judgment call, and in that particular well, case, no, 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 no. We're not talking about that play. Just in general, the rule is not a judgment call. The rule that fumble sure. touchdown, you lose the ball, and the no. other team gets you're down to the one yard line. Why should the other team get the ball at the twenty anyway? Yeah. Bill, phone that again, no phone again, buddy. Right. Thanks. Take yeah, care. see the biggest Bye-bye. thanks, Bye. Bill. The biggest problem with that is that he didn't fumble it into the end zone, but oh, he did because the pylon is the end zone. That's right. Right. That's what it is. If he fumbled it out through yeah. the end zone, exactly. then I understand it. But this one didn't go that way. Right. right. It hit the pylon and went out. 
I so, happened to do a little research on the history of the touchback rule. Fumble, it's called the fumble touchback rule. Uh, okay. And uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Murph and Fred, only two hours today trying to shove a lot in for you. A couple lines still open, 332-3776. Let's bring in EO11 with the results of our first Twitter poll, which was... Who who decides, who dictates a play in the NFL? The offense, the defense, the stronger and more dominant side of the ball, like Fred mentioned, the 85 Bears, and uh, or scheming and matchups. They got four on one over there, the defense, four guys on one guy. That'll dictate the matchups and the schemes. I think it's going to be a runaway. It's going to be the offense about 92%, Fred. What do you guess? Uh, I think it's going to be offense quite high, probably 85. I know I voted for the offense. Eric? All right, at the bottom is 13% with defense. 21% says the stronger side of the ball. Ah. 26% says schemes and matchups. Right. And 40% right. says the offense. Okay. Pretty well balanced. Yeah, not bad. P- pretty well balanced. I love this show. I love this show. Ah, thank you very much. Hey, we got to step aside. Everyone on hold will get right to you. A little bit about touchbacks when we return. Guest free today, a two-hour truncated. I don't even know what that means, but I love saying it. Truncated show. Never heard, heard of it before. Vote now at uh, ESPN 1000. Oh, here's our uh, Twitter poll, Fred. Which 2018 baseball t-shirt slogan is more accurate? Okay. We're gonna, you and I are going to try to sell these, okay? okay. We're set up a little table out here in State Lake to the police run us for not having a peddler's permit. And I didn't pop my peas, let the record show. Vote now. Which T-shirt is more accurate? A, Cubs. If it happens, it happens. White Sox. Silver and black will be back. And we'll be back in a flash. It's ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, busy day, glad you're with us. All right, Fred, uh, we had a little technical workshop going on That's uh, during right. the break. Let's bring in executive producer Eric Ostrowski. Eric, I worked till midnight and passed on these uh, on these wonderful lame, uh, excuse me, Twitter polls, and uh, you informed me that we had a little uh, character issue. Is that right? We had too many characters in the room? Correct. As, as Twitter now allows us to do right. as many characters as we want on the tweets, the sure. polls, on the other hand, do yeah. not. I so did. our poll answers needed to be adjusted. Uh, so I exceeded my poll. Is that what you... Yeah, we basically scrapped the whole thing. Uh, uh, what? Half the thing. All right, so uh, we'll do the other half next week. We didn't. So what do we have now for the current Twitter poll? All right, Cubs, if it happens, it happens. A... Good 2018 slogan or B, bad 2018 slogan? And next week we will do the other half. Uh, We'll do White Sox. Uh, White Sox, silver and black will be back. Is that a good slogan or a bad slogan? But we can't do them both at once. No. No room. Okay. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Uh, Fred, in a few minutes, a couple quickies. Uh, One is, uh, I got another idea. Okay. All right. It's always a scary one. I know. And quote of the week. Okay. All right. I popped my cue. I, I don't know how I did that. Quote of the week. That'll be coming up. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, oh, oh, Gideon wants to jump in. Hello, Gideon. Hey, guys. 
Uh, Murph, I thought your question was great, even though you couldn't put the entire question on Twitter. Too many characters um, running around in my head here, yes. Exactly. Um, but what I wanted to say is that I think the Cubs should be competitive. If they're not, then I think that might even be a repudiation on Theo and Jed. I, like, I won't go that far, but, but it's trending in that direction if they aren't competitive this year. For the White Sox, I don't think they're going to be completely back, per se, until August and September. And what I'd put out there yeah. is I think that the White Sox are going to have a better August and September than the Cubs. They're going to have something similar to what the Cubs had in 2015 in August and September. Well, I'll let Fred jump in Eloy with Jimenez comes up well, and get all in. the other young players. Yeah, let's, you know, let's let Fred jump in. Gideon, thanks for the call. Watch the wet the slicker roads. Thanks, here. Gideon. Uh, I, I don't know how quickly Rick Hahn's going to bring some guys up, but the more and more he talks, the more mm -hmm. it sounds like if Eloy Jimenez is just tearing up the minor leagues, he's going to bring him up early. He did say that Jimenez and I think uh, Louis Robert will be in the um, Major League camp. And he said everybody, he wants everybody in the Major League camp to think they can make the squad. Uh, but I don't, they've rushed people before. And I know Sox fans are probably going to cringe but when I mention this name, but they rushed Gordon Beckham. They actually rushed Chris Sale. They rushed Carlos Rodon. They rushed Carson Fulmer. Um, they're not going to do that anymore. At least Rick Hahn keeps saying that. Now, on that topic, yeah, I looked up the exact date because, you know, who would know? When do you want to guess? Because I didn't know. I, when do you think Chris Bryant was called up to the big leagues? Remember all the brouhaha right. about the clock and holding yeah. him back? I looked up the exact date. April 17th. Uh-huh. That's when... Enough games had passed where he could not get length of service, not to get technical, and he would year. get to play seven years right. before he became a free agent instead of six, not to rehash all that. So I would say the Sox would have no reason to do opposite of what that was shown to accomplish. I would say April 17th of 2019 uh -huh. is when you would see Eli Jimenez and anybody else that might be ready to go. There would be no reason to start well, the clock before. I'm the only one. I didn't I'm, like it at the time. Don't no, get me wrong. I'm the only stupid one that the reason that you don't want to start the clock is because you say, listen, we want to keep this guy for seven years under our control. Instead of six. I still think that if the guy's that good, mm -hmm. you're going to sign him to a new deal before six years are up. Yes, but. And I understand. But and you're going to get it cheaper. I understand that Scott Boris, uh, Scott Boris clients aren't going to want to sign deals until their seven years are up, well, so they can then become free agents unless it's a blockbuster deal. Or if it's sweet, all right, if it's sweet right, enough, right? But you, you do get the guy cheaper until the extension. You still can get the extension in the same period in year three, year four, even though you got him for seven or six. But they're all going to do what Theo did. What did we find out, though? We found out this year that winning games in April is as important as winning games at the end uh -huh. of the year. Okay? Yes. Winning games early. Getting off to a good start is as important as getting off, you know, and finishing the season well. You mean not to go uh, to opening day with uh, Anderson, Brett Anderson as your fifth starter. Yeah. Blowing out, burning out the bullpen, not going with Schwarber as your leadoff hitter. Right. It's kind of like you don't want to tank early in the season and say, well, we'll get better when yeah. you know when the weather gets warmed up. The guys will warm up, all that stuff. How many times have you heard that? Well, little did you know, because we did not cover this in the uh, pre-show love fest. Uh -huh. All right? Quote of the week. I wasn't going to do this till next hour. Murph okay. and Fred only till 11 today. Miss a little, miss a lot. 
Here's a quote this week buried in one of the newspapers by uh, Jed Hoyer. All right. It's one of those feel good things until you start really reading it. And then you realize that this year, if it happens, it happens. And that's hey, they won the World Series in my lifetime. I, you know, I hope they keep winning, but uh-huh. I'll never get upset again big time like I used to because I never thought I'd see it. I think a lot depends about your age bracket, your demo, your history with a favorite team, whatever. All right. Here's Jed Hoyer. And this goes right back to what you said, Fred, about April and May. He's talking. He says, uh, about where does the leadoff hitter come this year from, yeah. all right? Quote, every team doesn't have one. True, uh-huh. true. But we definitely saw last year, and these are the smartest guys in the room, smartest guys in baseball. Right. They know everything before it happens, right? Theo and That's Judd. That's what we've heard. I'm going to say Judd. That's what we've been told. Judd. All right. Maybe they're not as smart, and maybe no one uh, is perfect. Uh-huh. Every team doesn't have a leadoff hitter, Hoyer said, but we definitely saw last year that for whatever reasons, some guys in the leadoff spot, you put them there and it changes their approach on offense. What did little old Murph say all last February and March? I don't like for a number of reasons Schwarber leading off. One was the obvious one. There won't be anybody on base for him. Number two was, and I said this, Fred, and I don't know if you can verify because we say so much in right. you know, three hours right. but i said a couple times i know one thing some guys have a different mental attitude when they come up to the plate if they've been a long time middle of the order guy and you bat him number one conversely you take a number one guy you bat him number four he's going to start swinging from the heels that leadoff type guy the number three four five guy not everybody a lot of them all of a sudden, they go, oh, I'm now a leadoff man. I got to do this different. I got to get out. I got to walk. I got, you know. And there, what do you know? Hoyer fa- finally says, we definitely saw last year. That would mean we learned. Yeah. We definitely saw last year that for whatever reasons, some guys are put in the leadoff spot and it changes their approach on offense. The, the one thing is that their thinking was Kyle Schwarber, who's a, who was a pure hitter, and took walks. Big on base. Wouldn't have to adjust his game. Right. Unfortunately, it probably got into his head that he would have to. It does. It shouldn't. But it does. Every single at bat, you should just stroll to the plate. It doesn't matter who's on base, where you're batting. Yes. But but for some reason, human nature takes over and says, listen, I'm a leadoff guy. I got to do something else. I'm not trying. I don't know why it is. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I mean, everyone played baseball at some level. Yeah. You know, I played high school ball. Big deal. I was a top, you know, top of the order guy. You know, I'd punch in Judy back then, you know, get on. But never. If they put me batting fourth, I guarantee you, I would have held a bat and tried, go try to hit a home run, which I couldn't do, but I would have tried. Maybe you're different. Other, yeah, everyone's just, different. Yeah, everybody should stroll mm-hmm. to the plate, and it's you against, basically, even though baseball's a team sport, yeah. it's a one-on-one. It's pitcher versus batter, and nobody seems to realize that. It's uh-huh. pitcher versus batter. All the time. It's not a it's not a team game. It's a team game while we're out there. Yeah. Once the ball's hit, it's right. a team game. I understand. Until the ball's hit, it's one against one. And I'm not it's saying one on every, one. I'm not saying everybody. Now, Fred, I know you played a lot they of They did give you four or five different options. I know I think it was Paul Sullivan this week, four or five different options for that leadoff spot. Well, we one was Dee Gordon, they're not gonna sp- I mean it was good stuff. Uh others John Jay, that's not permanent. Dee Gordon, that's not permanent. I How mean, about the last one? I got the last one they gave you was Wilson Contreras. Yeah. Well, you know what? I worry. 409. I know. Yeah. I worry the same thing. Okay. It'll get into his head 
that he's supposed to do something different uh-huh. and not jack the ball for gap power. I'm right. not saying he would. Yeah. He might be the guy that follows what you were saying. Sure. It's he might one, be the guy that takes every it's bat. one-on-one, Yeah, just like you said. Now, Fred, I know you play a lot of ball along the way. I've never right asked there, you this. Right there in, in schoolyard at Goodwin School. Oh, my Cicero uh, uh-huh. Berwin. Uh, I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. Corner of 26th in Austin until they put the fences up. Now he can't play there anymore. Something tells me that you were never a leadoff man. I would never. I probably No, because I had no speed. Right. Right. And you were probably always a guy that could drive the ball as far, you know, almost as far as all the... Yeah. I, I was a, right. I was a I'm not a punch and Judy, but right. I was a, I was a gap guy. Okay. Yeah. Now if they moved you to the leadoff slide, it wouldn't have changed anything you did. Not really. All right. Mentally. No. Mentally. Yeah. All right. And it and it shouldn't. I mean, but you know, like I said, that's 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 saying things, and uh, who knows? I mean, every, it gets in their head that they got get on base, take some pitches, let us see what the guy does, and and that's I think that's the one thing. Leadoff guys leading off a game. You want to see a guy go up there and take some pitches so you so everybody else can see what the guy's got and how he's pitching. But maybe that wasn't Schwarber. I know Schwarber walked a lot all the way through the system and right. up and down. But maybe he liked to hit that first pitch sometimes. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Maybe he likes the – a lot it. of times that first pitch is the best one you're going to get and get bad. Right. Sneak attack, unload on it. Maybe that's the pitch I'm going to hit. Yep. Maybe he felt, well, you know what? I, I better take that one right down the middle here to the first pitch of the game. Yeah. Now, again, to read between the lines what Hoyer said, and we know he's talking about Schwarber. You know, every team doesn't have a leadoff hitter necessarily. We, de- we definitely saw last year. In other words, we learned last year. And now here's the next part of that statement. For whatever reason, and that's what you and I are talking yeah. about now. For whatever reason, he's saying, like, I don't know why. For whatever reason, he changed his approach. Hey, did you hear the big hurt on the uh, air this week? I did not. Was, I was busy. I must not have heard it. Was he on with the camp man, camp and company? Uh, yeah, who was he on with? Uh, do we know? We pulled that sound bite earlier this week. Frank Thomas was talking about your old neighborhood. Okay. Because he's got his restaurant there. Right there in Berwyn. Right there in Berwyn. Uh-huh. In fact, they asked him, where is the restaurant? So where is it? It's uh, it's in Berwyn, Illinois, 6801 West Cermak Road. Uh, it's a corner of Oak Park Avenue and Cermak. It's the old Berwyn National Bank. There it is. There you go. The old Berwyn National Bank. How many times you drove by there on your bicycle? Uh, a ton of times. <laughs> a ton of times. A lot of times I'll go just south of there because Riverside Drive was right over there. Easy to cruise yeah. on over on uh, yeah. one angle. of the few diagonal angle streets. Street. Yeah. All the banks and savings and loans in Cicero and Berwyn back in the day. He's not uh, He's not far from Vasecki's Bakery, which uh, which is uh, in Berwyn on, on Cermak. I know Unbelievable well. oh, place. Yeah. And, uh, the best hot dogs in a roll. Hot dogs in a bun you'll ever get. There were like 10 savings and loans and banks back yeah. in the day. All independent, not chains like now. Central, Mid-America, Olympic, uh, all of them. Berlin you know, Federal, Lincoln, Lincoln Federal, Federal yeah. Cicero Federal. In fact, they used to say the patron saint of the neighborhood there was St. Paul Federal. Sure. Yeah. All the fight people of Cicero and Berlin after the Depression, they said, putting the money in the banks, man. And all those banks grew big. Hey, we never got to touch banks. We'll do that. Murph and Fred, on a short show today, just... Two hours, stick around, got to shove a lot more in. Back in a flash, vote now at ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, rain, it's sort of what you would call a a cruddy day. Or crappy. Can you, I'll say crappy. Would you call it that? Uh Uh-huh. 
It's awful. Three, three, two, Talk to the weather guy three, out in the seven, hallway. Seven, six. The weekend guy from Channel 7. I'm Tracy sorry, I don't Butler? know his name. No. Oh. I love this show. I love this show. I asked him, I go, is it ever going to stop raining? He said, not till late <laughs> this afternoon. So. Okay. Yeah, and tomorrow's going to be, left for the Bears game, mm-hmm. the high around 34 with wind chills of 16. So, welcome. About, you know our guy, Joe, the uh, Duke Crispino. Yes, I do. Yeah. Our longtime uh, pigskin pit guy and uh-huh. uh, prominent Northwest Side attorney Joe Crispino. Everybody knows Joe, the Duke. Ten years ago, you know what he said to me one day? He said, the forward fumble touchback is the single dumbest rule in football. And I never thought that much about it. Right. Okay. You remember when that started? Uh, Super Bowl Dave five. Casper. Dave, uh, was it the Super Bowl? It was Dave Casper in the Super Bowl where they, the Raiders fumbled forward and Casper recovered was it. Was that Baltimore? Oakland. I oh, don't know. Super Bowl five had one also. Maybe uh, that yeah, was before. Super Bowl, Super Bowl five was the Jets. Or it wasn't. Oh, Super Bowl, was, Namath was three. Five was the Colts. That was, okay, one happened in that game. Oh, okay. I didn't know that there one. Was a, I was too young. I was just was watching it. There was a fumble touchdown then, too. Let's go to the phones in Elmhurst. Hello, Luke. Hey, guys, how's your Saturday? Hey, Luke. Fine. So far, wanted, so good, Luke, Luke. Let me ask you a question. You a longtime Chicago guy, or did you just move here from out of town, or what? No, I grew up in the suburbs, so right. I've, I've been here around. Let me ask you this. I'm from LaGrange, originally Cicero. Fred's originally Cicero, and, and uh, you're out in the western suburbs. Then I was in LaGrange. and Let me ask you this. No one knows where the western suburbs are, Luke, Fred. Did you ever notice this? Everybody, oh, I well, know. North Brooklyn, yeah. you, they all know that. They don't know what the western suburbs are unless they live out there. And, and the south, oh, yeah, Oak Lawn, okay, yeah. Evergreen Park. I know where Evanston is. No one knows where Cicero is. No one knows where Berwyn is. No one knows where... You ever notice that, Luke? No one knows where the West is. There there should be no excuse for people to not know where Berwyn and Cicero is because (laughs) they're so close to the city. Right. But uh, I I actually grew up in in, uh, Wooddale. By the uh, airport. Yeah, right by the airport. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows where that is. Bensonville, um, Wooddale, Itasca. They're all right. Those are the three. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's where I grew up. cities. All right, now that we have no time left, Luke, thanks for calling. No, <laughs> Luke, go ahead, but we are up against the clock. My father okay, still th- your yeah, time. This, yeah. this is uh, kind of to what you guys are saying about uh, starting a player that normally bats cleanup or vice versa. Uh, Jed, uh, Hoyer, kind of, Jed Hoyer talking about uh, Schwarber indirectly. He, go. Yeah, it, it kind of bugs me when people expect uh, players to perform the same regardless of how you switch up their, the way that they play. So, like... Uh, it, it, like in basketball, if you don't start a player versus starting a player, or in baseball, if you bat somebody lead off versus not batting lead off, people expect them to perform the same, which is ridiculous. Because like you know, we're people, we're humans. We have we make decisions. We you know we have emotions, and and there's you know, like reasons for things we do, and and you know people just think we're we're, we're robots, and like you should a player should perform a certain way because that's what. Because he's batting 298, you know, 380, whatever. So it's not going to happen every time. It, it depends. It matters on where you bat a guy. Very and interesting. Look, that's great angle. I'll make a call of the show. You know what you win for that, don't you? Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A trip to the north side, no. if you know where that is. No, Fred Humor. <laughs> Fred Humor comes gets to come to your house and eat all your food. No, I don't have any food. No. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> now we'll just drink heavily then, Luke. Fred, now that's a great angle on Schwarber batting leadoff, and then Jed Hoyer finally says, well, some guys just don't like it. You know, 
it's how is it different? We'll talk about this when we come back. How's it any different from the ninth inning closer guy? Oh, you can't put him in the seventh inning or the sixth inning. Yeah, you can't it's put the same the thing. Seventh, you can't put the fifth inning guy in the ninth inning, and yeah, and the Luke, starter can't relieve, and the reliever can't start. Yeah, Luke ruined my whole thing because <laughs> I, you know, you're a baseball player. You should be able to just I do know. what they ask you to do. But no, people have feelings. Well, people. That was people, a great call. Yeah, it was. That's it a great was. call. He was. He's more human. Luke was more human than I am. He got eleven. What were the results? And what was our, what was our Twitter poll question again? Uh, okay, Cubs. Cubs, if it happens, it happens. A, good 2018 <laughs> slogan, or B, bad 2018 slogan? Uh-huh. Well, let me think now. 33% of uh, 40% Sox fans, uh, they like it. Uh, it's 50-50. 86% says no, it is a bad slogan. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Marlon, we come back. We're going to dissect touchbacks and look at this yellow pit. We've got about 50 topics to shove into a one-hour show. Yes, we leave at 11 today. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Uh, scheduled three-hour sports uh, gab fest. Going to be preempted in one more hour at 11 o'clock this week only. So we got to get rolling here, Fred. Uh, number one. Oh, let's get our Twitter poll out right now. Please vote at ESPN 1000. Should Bears general manager Ryan Pace have to report directly to Ted Phillips, yes or no? Okay. Couldn't be simpler. Couldn't be a simpler question. Should Ryan Pace, Bears GM, have to report directly to Ted Phillips? And Ted Phillips is still on the Bears payroll. All right, we'll cover that in a few minutes, so I'd like to have your vote right now. Oh, just a quick little uh, salute out to Mike Greenberg, a guy I've known, Fred, you've known for a long, long time. A young pup back at uh, another radio station years ago. Looked behind me doing the updates. Never seen him before. And I'm Mike Greenberg. So I uh, started bantering with them, uh, as I love to do with you also, Fred. Yeah. And uh, Greeny, to me, wonderful guy. And uh, uh, everything he did and accomplished, uh, you, you know, I could see it coming right away. He said, this guy's not going to be here for long. I might as well utilize him as almost. So sure. our, our updates at the top and the bottom, that was an evening show I had at the time. Uh, and uh, I, the update would be at the top and it'd be, you know, he'd do two minutes and at the bottom two minutes. He'd sit there for 28 minutes and, you know, read yep. a newspaper, which they used to have back then. And I said to myself, this guy's is good. So then the two-minute update became like three minutes, five minutes, ten. Pretty soon he's like almost, uh, you know, sure. sidekick. And Fred is uh, blessed to have you then, uh, I think, right after uh, Green. I think so, yeah. Pretty much. So uh, I have a little sound bite. Maybe uh, the last the last Greeny will uh, play for a uh, long, long time. This was a, a short little hunk. Greeny. He loves baseball more than anything. That uh-huh. was always his sport. And here he was just sort of thinking about baseball a couple of weeks ago. Football, basketball, and baseball, we talk about like crazy. Football, and even football, which is a fairly complicated game, is actually quite simple. Like mo- most of the things that you see, you can identify fairly easily. You can tell me things about blocking schemes sure, that sure, I don't sure. know. I can get intricate. Yeah, I can but most fans can weeds. generally yeah. see what's going on. Baseball has a lot going on that you don't know about. It does. 
There you go. Baseball is a thinking man's sport. Yeah, it sure does. And yeah. uh, people that, you know, I know people that played baseball, friends of mine who played baseball, that played baseball at a high level in college, right. and, and they find baseball boring. And I know other people who played alongside these guys and say, what are, you, what are you, crazy? So there's a lot of different opinions. But, you know, I think when you watch a baseball game, and that's why a lot of times you and I or me and Ben Finfer or whoever we're working, yeah. we'll criticize certain things. And people say, well, they won the game. That's not the point. The point is you can all, they can always be better. Games, well, games sometimes turn on one little play, one little mistake, one little failed cutoff man yeah. that they don't hit. One one guy swinging at a bad pitch outside or swinging at the ball in the dirt when you knew they weren't going to hit it. If I'm referencing Javier Baez, that's huh. that's you know I didn't mean I meant to exactly. Well, we had a soundbite from Greeny last week where he was quoting a, a longtime, a well-known Chicago uh, sports uh, columnist Bernie Linsacall uh-huh. back in the day, uh, and Bernie's around still. And uh, uh, Bernie said, and I'd never heard this until I heard Greeny quote from 20 years ago, a couple of weeks ago on Mike and Mike, and uh, he said, "Yeah, Bernie said that." The most exciting part of a baseball game is between each pitch. Uh-huh. Now, you tell somebody that, uh, that think you're nuts. Yeah. But I, I, see I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but, but I understand. talk about the thinking and right. the thinking man's game. Uh, the Bulls last night. Got to do a minute about the Bulls game. I know they played a, a, a team that both teams had lost five in a row. Uh, Charlotte uh, here. What in a Ch- matchup. Chicago coming in. Charlotte came in five and eight. They leave five and uh, nine. The Bulls came in two and ten. They're now three and ten. So I understand that, you know, you know, average to bad team playing, a, you know, average team that probably not quite as bad on paper. The Bulls win 123 to 120. An exciting game. And, uh, Fred, we just touch on some of the highlights here, uh, but uh, we're knock, knocking these around before the show. Uh, Chris, Chris Dunn's best game as a, as a bull. He well, he had 22 points. He hasn't played many games as a bull. Right. He was hurt quite a bit at the start. He had 22 points. He had 14 of those in the fourth quarter. Bull scored 40 points. He had seven straight points uh, yeah. and a big steal late in the game. I always call mom after the game. She, uh, mom's... She watches 82 Bulls games a year for the last 20, 30 years. I mean, she knows this game. If we had an evening show, we'd put her on after the game. It's a riot. She used to sometimes when Jimmy Butler would win the game, you know, she'd go, yeah. Butler did it. She'd answer the phone, you know. So, you know what she said yesterday? Done, done it. Done, done it. Instead of done, did it, the yeah. Butler did it. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. It's yeah, a heck of a game. She also said it was a Valent- Valentine holiday. Which it was. Holiday, what? Tw- 27 points, Fred? Justin Holiday. Holiday 27, Valentine 18 in yeah. a starting role. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, a little bit better in a starting role. Six assists. He mm-hmm. was seven for 15 from the field. Yeah. But four of seven from threes, which was great. Bull shot 50% from three. One of the reasons they won yeah. the game. They had 34 three point attempts. They had 17 of them. In the fourth quarter, they went three for three. Or the guys, Valentine, Holiday, and Dunn. They didn't miss a three-pointer. It was amazing. Yeah, so that was, that was nice. A nice little comeback. I mean, they, if you wanted entertainment, win. Fred, that was the most exciting of fourth quarter, you know, this year for sure. Obviously, well, there hasn't been much to be excited about. You think about it, they scored 40 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Going into the game, yeah. they averaged 92.4 points per game. That's last in the NBA. <laughs> One of only four teams that have average under 100. They scored 40 in the fourth quarter. 40! 
They Just were, think, if they would have done that every quarter, they'd have 160. They were down at uh, the end of the third quarter, 92-83, so they're down nine. And uh, just a fun game to watch. I don't know if it uh, portends anything. Well, but. here's the thing. Uh, everybody said, oh, that's what we want to see from Chris Dunn. 10 for 16 shooting, comes off the bench, seven assists. It is, but it also comes after a game. He went one oh, for yeah. 11. So, that you know, Wednesday, you want some consistency. That, that would be nice. That Wednesday game, oh. they scored seven in the first quarter. Worst, lowest in franchise history. Well, this year, they've been beaten in the first quarter numerous times. Since 1966, yeah. that was the worst uh, first quarter. And that guy, Wednesday night, Grant. He's got Jared a brother. Grant. Jared, whatever his name yep. is. That might have been the worst individual game I've ever seen by a Chicago Bull. Well, yeah, they must have all. They must was, have all. Something must have happened. They must have all eaten something or gone somewhere because they all look sick, <coughs> like you, like me. Jaron Grant yeah. was bad, yeah. and I just told you how Dunn were one for eleven yeah. yesterday. Jaron Grant played twenty-one minutes, but he was four of six in the field, two of two from three-point range. He was playing well. Chris Dunn was playing well. Right. That old that old home cooking. Let's see if they can carry it over. They play Phoenix, another bad team on Sunday in Phoenix. Yeah. This guy, oh. Grant, he'll never make it. I don't care if it was just one bad game. No player in the NBA could play like that Wednesday night. I don't know Maybe how... Maybe get all the bad plays out of his system. Well, I don't know how many raw number, you know, counting number turnovers he had. Uh-huh. But not just the raw counting number turnovers. Dribbling the ball and the 24-second shot goes... Is that a turnover? Yeah. All right, well... He's doing that. He's to turn over if you run if you run out the clock. I don't know if know, it's a personal getting one. Balls like you know, just dri- bouncing off his foot. You know, out of bounds. Is that a turnover? I don't know. What to- this guy was it was horrible. He's got big feet. Well, I, yeah, big hands and big feet. You know what that means? As they used to say, the agony of defeat. Yeah, big hands defeat. and big feet. You know what that means? Yeah. Big gloves and big shoes. Okay, yeah. I'll go with that. Uh huh. Oh, it's a Robin Williams line. I stole it from Robin Williams. Speaking of the Bulls, uh, Eric Fred. So. I love uh, Neil Funk. All right, I love listening to him. It's a Come great, home. it's a great team with uh, with Stacy King. Now I'm going to tell uh, uh, Eric, Fred. Here's you hear this once a game from uh, Funk Neil Funk. He'll say, uh, "Marking it in the corner, skips it across over to Grant." Yep. Now. What does that in your uh, mind uh, uh, visualize to you, Eric? He skips it across court over to Grant in the other corner. See, I know the technical term he's describing, so it's hard for me. to. It's a skip pass is what it's called. All right, but what, tell me what it does. A skip pass, basically, instead of passing to the person next to you, yeah. you're skipping past that person and passing to someone right. two people away. It, so kind of a cross court, it sort of. Mean, it doesn't mean it hits the floor. No, it doesn't necessarily. Uh, no, which a lot of people would think it would. Well, yeah, yeah, I did for a long time. Yeah, till like last night because he'd been doing it this year more than ever. He didn't skip it, but that means Eric, <clears throat> that was great. You skip a guy that you think that you maybe that he was going to throw to for an option that's maybe farther off or different. Yeah. Uh, Eric, you know what's funny, Eric, is that in years past when the game when the game first started. Uh, one of the worst things you could do was throw car- cross oh, court. Yeah, it was one thing you threw cross court you immediately. Get, you were on the bench. You get benched. Yeah, they said don't ever throw cross court. There's too <laughs> much of a chance of it getting intercepted. Right. Now right. it's a skip pass. Now it's got a name for it. Yeah, a skip pass it's, instead of a cross court. Yeah, look at the Euro step. Used to be traveling. Okay, well, it I is traveling. <laughs> it is traveling. And if they could ever figure it out, traveling uh-huh. and palming, which I know is the same thing. All right, uh, the game would be much better. All right. So my uh, our longtime buddy Joe, the Duke Crispino. Uh, prominent Northwest Side attorney. Everybody knows the Duke, our old point 
pigskin point spread uh, pick'em guy. About ten years ago, he says to me one day, he says, "The worst rule in the in the NFL." I go, "Yeah, what's what's this?" Yeah, Joe? there's a lot of bad rules. No, no. So the worst rule in the NFL is the uh, the fumble touchback. I okay. Go, the fumble touchback. Now we all saw it in play in the Bears game, and uh, let's take a little uh, little mix here. EO11, I got it here. EO mixed together a little bit of the, uh, this is just a shorty, but it's going to be the guys in the booth and the referee. And uh, uh, let's sort of try to recall now that touchback real quick. And he actually lost the ball on the way down to hit the pylon. Yeah, he loses control, Dean. So if they ruled it that it didn't go out of bounds, he lost control when the ball hit the pylon. Is that a touchback? If the ball is loose prior to touching the pylon, and then it touches the pylon while loose, we have a touchback. After reviewing the play, the Chicago runner advancing toward the goal line lost control of the football, and the ball hit the pylon. Therefore, he did not step out of bounds. It is a touchback. It will be Green Bay's ball first down. Highlights Fox. So great sound, of, great uh, sound from the crowd, and good job, Dara. Yeah. And uh, so Joe Crispino, so ten years goes. I go, what do you mean it's the worst rule in football? The uh, forward uh, fumble, uh, you know, touchback. He says, why should you be down to the one foot line, the one yard line, the one inch line? If the ball fumbles forward and goes out of the end zone, or in this case, the pylon, right. which is part of the end zone, why should the other team get the ball at the twenty? Well. I said, yeah, you're right, Joe. I didn't think much more about it. You know, it's mm. happened, like you said, right. earlier, Fred, in some big game Super Bowls, some famous ones. So I'm Googling around uh, the other day, and I find a piece in Bleacher Report written by one Mike Tanier, T-A-N-I-E-R, Tanier. We had him, we had him on uh, a couple weeks ago. Really? On the evening show. He's a great guy. Oh. Really good. I wish, okay. We're guest free today because we have a truncated Mike show. Tanier, just sing a Lanier. Tanier, well, I figured... Yeah. And I, last time I was in France, it would have been Tanier. You never know. Anyway, here's what? Here's the headline of his piece. In France, it would have been Tanier, wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Here's the we. Uh, oui. Here's the headline. The worst. The worst rule in the NFL must change before it ruins games that really matter. There you go. All right. He must know Duke too. Yeah. So the first thing I'm thinking is. Have you ever tried to explain what a safety is to someone that doesn't really understand football? Like my wife. Um, no, I haven't. All right. But you know, my wife doesn't like watching any of the. I'll just say a safety is when you're playing offense and you mistakenly run back into your own end zone and get tackled. That's a safety in two points. And that'll explain it to Pat. Yeah. Well, no, it won't explain it to her because she doesn't know She doesn't know what the end zone well, is. That's, well, that's what she I'm doesn't saying. know what running is. I said, yeah. try to explain a safety to someone that doesn't know football. Now, our lovely Dana... Sometimes at the where she works, they have the squares game. You know, sure. you get a, she said, I got a five and an eight. I go, if there's a safety, you might be okay. Right. She goes, what's a safety? All right, then you start talking gobbledygook because she has no idea what you're talking about, yeah. right? So it's sort of the same thing, trying to explain the fumble touchback. So I'm reading this piece, and I Google up a little bit on my own. All right. The uh, fumble touchback rule goes back. You ready for this? <laughs> 1906. There wasn't even football in 06. Well, there was football, college football, and there was no NFL, but you're right. It goes back to 1906. One uh, Walter Camp, 
who was the father of the football rule book, all yes. right? Walter Camp wrote the first football rule book in 1906. The fumble touchback. A touchback is made. Now, this is in general. A touchback is made. This is Walter Camp in 1906. A touchback is made when the ball is dead. When the ball is dead of any part of the ball being on, above, or beyond the goal line, provided the impetus which sent it into or across the line was given by an opponent. Hmm. The impetus had to be given by the opponent. That doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. Now, you read on, and he's talking mostly about kicks and punts. See, he's thinking, all right, what if they kick the ball into the end zone or punt the ball into the end zone? Right. If the opponent puts it in the end zone, it's not my fault. No. The return guy, just leave it. And it's touchback. a touch. There you go. Yep. So 99% of the time when you're talking about a touchback, it's the punt. Or to kick, you know, right. somehow that goes back there. Well, almost every I know kickoff. the kickoff is still yeah. live, yeah, but if you doubt it, okay, right. fine. The impetus, how did it get there? Now, believe it or not, for 15 years, a forward pass uh-huh. that was incomplete and landed dead in the end zone, you lost the ball. It was a touchback because Walter Camp didn't really include every part of it. Okay, Bears quarterbacks would have been in trouble. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. They'd be turning the ball over yeah. constantly. So Then again, they don't get that close to the end zone. Fifteen years later, uh, the NFL begins in 1921. From the 1906, they still use the 06 rule book until there was some major, I didn't know this, 1933 was the major revamping of the entire NFL rule book. So the forward pass that landed incomplete in right. the end zone, you didn't lose it, and the other team took it out to the 20 because it was your impetus for a touchback? No. So they changed everything except one thing. They either forgot didn't see it, were too busy, or thought it was still a good idea. They never took out the forward fumble. Okay. Touchback. So Joe the Duke Respino said this to me 15, 10, 15 years ago. I said, well, what should it be? He goes, well, it's simple. Well, if the ball goes out, you should still own the ball. The other team didn't do anything to get the ball from you, if it's your impetus, putting it out of bounds. He said, you should get it back at the one. Sort of like an extra point or, you know, you're going for yeah. two. And you know what? He's exactly right. Or, or, or put it at the five. Or, or maybe give you, give the Bears a 15-yard penalty back to the 15, you know. And this is not belly aching. If you're a Packer fan, listen, oh, listen to those guys' belly. Well, you have I'm a hard talking time. in general. I'm not yeah. talking about this play. You have a hard time getting a penalty because it, you know. Well, whatever. It, yeah, it wasn't anything that you did necessarily wrong. Oh, I'm just, but, I don't know, I'm just yeah. trying to, like, uh, you know, find a happy middle ground. But there's no reason for the other team to get the ball when you cough it up yourself and it goes in or through the end zone. That's all. It was crazy. Mm, I don't know. Really? You like yeah. the rule? Yeah, I think the rule makes sense. Hey, you, it's your ball. You lost the ball, and you went. It went through the end zone. I, I kind of understand it. That's just me. Well, then that means the EO eleven is going to have to be the tiebreaker. Eric, you're a football guy. It's tough. I think there needs to be some sort of punitive, like measures for when a guy is just leaping for the end zone with the ball flailing out, and it gets knocked out of his hands. Well, that's because other- otherwise, guys can just do that. With no penalty, if it if it doesn't get across line, someone just swats into the end zone. 
All right, now it's just a dead ball. You get the ball to one. Let's do it all over again. All right, again. good point. In the uh, piece here, maybe we'll get this guy on, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Tanier. Tanier. Uh, Eric, that's a great point because he said there'd have to be a provision. Let's say uh, you're running for a touchdown, right? You're down at a 20, you're down to the 15. He's down to the hole. Now there's two guys coming near him. Now the guy with the ball says, he throws the ball like he's trying to throw the ball through the old uh, uh, tire. Yeah. You know, uh, when you uh, have... And he throws the ball and hits the pylon. Bing! That'd be a touch. That'd be down to the one yard line. Yeah. So, you Eric, yeah. you're right. You got to have a provision. So, there's not some smarty pants they're trying to do. Well, when you fumble the ball out of bounds, it's not where the ball goes out of bounds. It's where the fumble originated from, is where that ball's spotted at then. You don't lose the ball. No, you don't. No. But I understand. But, like, it goes back. In, so, that, wouldn't, that situation wouldn't work. All right. So, in the Bears situation, now to localize it, timely uh, wise. Eric, and then for what would what would you have uh, ruled then? Uh, Bears ball where or, or touchback? What would you have done then? After seeing the play, it was a touchback. Like yeah, it no, was. No. I agree. But with, you like the rule? You yeah, agree. I, I don't know how else you what else you do. Well, yes, I, I just told you that yeah, the team gets to keep the ball at either the one or, or the five or back fifteen uh-huh. yard uh, ball security. Uh, most, yeah. Probably the most important thing in the game. It All is right. take care of the football. It, it, it I agree. Is. And I think that they called it right. Except for the point that I think he was out of bounds before he fumbled. So I yes. did too. Yeah. And so did I Waddle. Did. Waddle said he saw it over and over again. He thought well, he was out of bounds, either his toe or his knee, before he lost control of the ball. Yes. If that's the case, the ball's at the one. Well, it was and the, it's weird because when they, on the call. It was the toe drag yeah. across the line. On the call, they, they say uh, he was in bounds. They say, like, real quick, like, they're trying to avoid that part. Yeah. It was really, really strange. Now, you see, you could never... It looked like he was out of bounds. I'll tell you, you Eric, you can never see perfectly the toe drag and the ball leaving his grass simultaneously. You saw one side, then the other shoot, then the other shoot, then back to the first shoot. But you shouldn't be able to change your call. Right, that makes it unconclusive. Right, it's unconclusive, and then you can't change the call. But they did change the call. And he actually lost the ball on the way down to hit the pylon. Yeah, he loses control, Dean. So if they ruled it that it didn't go out of bounds, he lost control when the ball hit the pylon. Is that a touchback? If the ball is loose prior to touching the pylon, and then it touches the pylon while loose, we have a touchback. After reviewing the play, the Chicago runner advancing toward the goal line lost control of the football, and the ball hit the pylon. Therefore, he did not step out of bounds. It is a touchback. It would be first down. Yeah. You're I, right. I he did he, not step out of bounds. Yeah, he did not step out of bounds. I don't think he had conclusive evidence of that. And why, I don't think they had conclusive evidence to overturn the call. No, he was piecing so. together the Zabruder film to, uh, for all you. Uh, right, should have been the ball to two. Right. Yeah. You never saw one picture, one frame of the toe and the ball out of his hands at the same time. Right. All right. That wore me out. It's not always conclusive. And if it's not, they're not supposed to change it. (laughs) But they did. Hey, when we return, by the way, Murph and Fred, this week only till 11, normally 9 till noon. And uh, I have a yellow pad full of things. Fred, we're going to have to uh, do a little uh, uh, lightning uh, flash around here when we return. It's raining, but I haven't seen any lightning yet. (laughs) We had last night out in Orland Park. Did you really? Snow lightning, even though it wasn't snow. Snow thunder lightning was amazing out there. Uh... The other amazing thing is we got two guys here at this radio station, both great guys, and they both have the perfect shaved head, in my opinion, in my opinion. 
you know, some shaved heads just look better than others. Let's be honest. You know, you might have a rock collection on your head. You know, what the heck is that? But, yeah, mine didn't look all that great when I got oh, sick. right. Yeah, I, it's, it was not nice. So Camparoo. Better and, than I thought, but not and nice. And the little guy, Jesse. Uh-huh. Those are the two I'm talking about. And they had a little interaction. They were talking about baseball, the Cubs, you know, the other day. And all of a sudden, they're talking about hair, which I got a kick out of. Let's, uh, l- uh, let's listen in. Grow it, show it. Winter ends and they go to Mesa, and all they've done is add Alex Cobb, a reclamation project, you know, buy one bullpen arm and just kind of piecemeal everything else. I will be stunned by that. Stunned. I won't be. I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs a little bit. And <laughs> my hair's too short. What do they know about splitting hair? Nothing. Nothing. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. From the Mazda State Street Studio in downtown Chicago. This is WNVP AM Chicago. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Well, we're usually at the halfway mark of a three-hour show, but... uh... We'll be gone in a half hour, so we have to shove a lot uh, into the bag here. Let's bring in EO11, find out what the results were of our 10 o'clock Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll, which was short and sweet. Should Ryan Pace have to report, Bears GM have to report to Ted Phillips? Yes or no? Fred, uh, I would say 90% is going to say no. Maybe even Ted Phillips voted no. Maybe. Eric, did anybody vote yes? A few people did. Oh, okay. 19% <laughs> voted yes. So 81% said no. Okay. So the next question would obviously be, who should he report to? There's only one guy. Well, George. George. Well, it was almost going to be a multiple choice. Eric, I almost went this way. Who should Ryan Pace report to? A, Ted Phillips. B, George McCaskey. C, Jeff Joniak. <laughs> or D, Virginia. Who would I you? love Jeff. I was at Sports Phone with Jeff. With uh, the quiz in a minute. Yeah, a nice article from Phil Rosenthal the other day. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think he should report to Jeff. But I, I, he should only report to one guy, and that's, uh, that's George. See, there's... I've said this for so many years, so I don't want to do it again. The Bears, more than any organization I've ever seen, any town, anywhere, any sport, more than anybody, they need that high-level senior VP of president of, of football operations. Call him whatever you want. They need a guy between the general manager and the owner, uh-huh. who's a football man. I don't mean hiring Ernie Accorsi for a couple weeks. How about Bill Polian? You know what? I don't even know who the right guy is. Okay. I'm not going to, you know. Right. But someone, sure, someone like that that's been around. You know what? Even a, no, a Tom Thayer, someone who the McCaskies would respect that they know. It's got to be someone they know. You know how that works. Yeah. And I'm not saying Tom Thayer exactly, but... A guy that, 
you know, played for the uh, Gary Fensick, but you know he's been out of the game too long now. I only say Tommy Kerr because he sees every game. He play, you know, he knows the league. Hey, listen, they uh, don't Tom even, Waddle. I don't care who it is. These the Bears organization doesn't even like having former Bears come and talk to the players. They'd like to give them the rah rah pep talk, but uh, Steve McMichael tells a story often. Last year, not this year, last year in Bourbon A. He went up to John Fox and said, you know, Foxy, he goes, with the guys you got here, you should run a lot of line stunts. It's going to help. It's going to get the guys to the quarterback. And he goes, that's okay. Don't worry, Steve. We we got that in our game plan. No. And then when they, what they do, they turn the ball over eight times in three games. And Mongo mentioned, he goes, line stunts. That's what they've been doing. Line stunts. And because of that, they're getting the quarterback. They're putting more pressure on it. By the way, Mongo and me tomorrow um, right here from 9 till noon. Good. Good. So, yeah, but uh, but they need some. I don't care. You know, I do. They I don't do. even like I said. They won't even listen to you know. But does George? Now wait, hold that thought. Is it George that doesn't want it, or the new each new regime GM doesn't want it? Probably each. Well, probably each new regime's head coach. Well, whatever. And and GM, but it should always be George. It should, me- it should be George's call. Say, listen, we want these guys to be part of the team. We want them to be consultants. Why do the Bears always? Have problems with you hiring the right coach, getting the right. It's simple. They don't know who to hire, and they rely on other people whose best interest might not be in the Bears. Someone's getting paid at Ernie Corsi's. Oh, I know John Fox. That's yeah. my only. It's ridiculous for a team like uh, uh, the, Listen, like it, Tom Ricketts. Excuse me, Tom Ricketts was smart enough to bring in Theo Epstein and promote him where you're president of baseball operations, and then you got Hoyer to do your little grunt work. Give me, gets me some coffee. Yeah, listen, I'd love to have Gary Fensick in that role, but he would have to take a massive pay cut well, from what he's making and what he's doing now. Well, it's a five to ten million dollar job. And, but that's another reason. Again, still yeah. a massive pay cut for Gary Fensick. Well, whatever. But yeah. that's another reason why they don't have it. Yeah. Does any team you've ever thought of need that guy more than this organization? Never. Yeah. Even like even Phil Jackson now. See, I understand he had a terrible run as an executive. Don't get me wrong. Some would even argue as lucky as a head coach because whatever. That's me. My head's up in the air. I know. Yeah. But I like him doing that role now between Jerry Reinsdorf and John Paxson. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly what he does. He might be doing a lot. Maybe he's doing nothing. Yeah, no, I, I don't ever want to see Phil back. I know. Maybe yeah. It's a bad example. But at least they, they got someone there that can be a mentor and hopefully get the right guy to be the mentor. You know, that's half, obviously it's half the battle. Yeah. But the Bears need that guy more than anybody. Yeah, well... You know, the, uh, Arizona, the Arizona Diamondbacks thought they needed a guy in baseball, and they, they brought in a guy. Uh, he's done he's done wonders for them, and now he's gone. Mm-hmm. Tony La Russa, uh, who is now going to be a special assistant and VP for Dave Dombrowski. I'm sorry, he's the, yeah. He's, well, Hart just got let go by the Braves, John. Uh, well, because there's some problems there. Oh, they're about to get. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, Ixnay. Then I didn't hear about it. They're they're about to get hit with a uh, a fine and maybe a suspension. But uh, okay, yeah, he he is now vi- serving as vice president and special assistant to Dave Dombrowski uh, of the Red Sox. And uh, Dave Dave is a smart guy. Dave was here in Chicago yeah. years ago. Sure. Uh, but uh, Tony Larusa doesn't need another job, and mm-hmm. I don't think he did a very good job in Arizona. Uh we're not going to have much time to do the Twitter poll this half hour. Maybe I'll carry this over to next week. Who is saying no to Jake Arrieta's salary uh, demands? A, Theo, B, Ricketts, C, Crane, or D, all of the above? 
who is actually saying no to Jake Arrieta's and the agent of car salary demands, Theo Epstein, Tom Ricketts, Crane Kenny, or all of the above vote now at ESPN 1000. Hey, Eric, do we have a few minutes? I want to do a little uh, lightning round here with Fred, if we can. All right. Number one. All right, Fred, I've got an idea. Uh-huh. That's always scary. You know how thank you. Every time you have an idea, I get nervous. You know how I'm always uh, fixated on uh, the coin flip. Uh-huh. And we talk yes, about it. Yes, you are. And I've finally, uh, okay. Packers won last week. What did they do? They, they kicked deferred. off. I know. I've yeah. acquiesced. I know. Uh-huh. I've given in. I've thrown in the towel, thrown in the cards. Okay. You win the flip normally. And, okay, you kick off. No, I'm thinking about the coin flip. Let me ask you this. So you go to a baseball game at uh, Sox Park, right? Yeah. And uh, do they flip a coin before the game to decide who uh, bats first and no. who bats? No. Oh, no. They, no. They don't. The home team. Home team. All right. So this might be something that's so obvious and so simple no one's thought of it. Why doesn't the home team in football always have the option? Yeah. Yeah. Why do you got to flip, flip gonna, the coin? Uh, right, there's eight and eight. Why not? Eight home, eight road. Why not? It's not a bad idea. Or you can go a step farther and simply take it out and say, hey, the home team always re- received a step. Yeah, yeah. you don't know want to do that. You want to have the strategy. All right. right. You want to have enough strategy so the home team always gets the call. No, I got it. Yeah, that's not, you're right. Uh, it's not a bad idea. Hey, get that on but, tape. Fred said it wasn't a bad idea. But then the problem is you, you're giving a team that already has uh-huh. the advantage of being in the front of their crowd. home crowd. All right. You're also giving them an extra advantage. So. Well, then, give the, then the visitors always win the flip. Nah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to take away. <laughs> Maybe that's why they have a coin flip. They said, uh, you know what? We can't figure this out. Should you guys sport. get the ball or should you get the ball? Let's flip a you know, coin. Stick in the mud. And somewhere back in the day, they yeah. said, let's flip a coin. That'll work. Now, what does it mean? There's to- no problem. There. What does it mean to defer? I know what it means. So we win the flip. We either do they actually say we'll kick off, or do they say we'll defer? Or I think, we'll? I think they say we'll defer. Yeah, choosing to kick off is a whole other option that you choose. That means you don't get to choose in the second half. Deferring means you're deferring your decision to the second half. You can choose what you want in the second half if you defer. Ah, we'll defer the right to make the selection until later. Correct. Now. What about the direction that you go based on wind, sun? Hey, look at the, the south end of the field. The south end of the field's muddy. Uh, so the team that loses the flip gets to then pick the direction. As far as I understand, yeah. Uh, you look way more into this than I do. I, I, I find it fascinating. Yeah. All right. Lightning round. All right, Fred. A couple experts this week I heard say this. People that I deem to be experts, all right, in Chicago. Talking about, uh, they they say, uh, next to the quarterback position, other than the quarterback position, the next toughest position for a rookie to learn is tight end. I wanted to roll that by. I never really heard it phrased before, so I'm trying to, you know, well, it makes sense. Uh, Yeah, it does. So, And talking about Trubisky. And then Shaheen, or, right. you know, so it sort of goes. What a nice catch and run last week. And didn't go. Well, nice to see. I wouldn't want to be trying to tackle him no. once he gets ahead of steam up. But it that makes seems sense. to make sense, yeah, Doesn't because it? because running backs don't. Well, that's the reason running backs have a problem because running backs don't know always aren't always good at picking up the blitz and things like that and pass mm-hmm. protection. Right. Wide receivers just have to basically go out and then also learn how to block for other guys. 
Um, but yeah, tight ends have to learn line blockings, you know, stunts. They got to right. pick up blitzers, mm-hmm. and then they still have to go on out and catch the ball. So that seems to make sense to me. Uh, a lot of it has to do with no. like how they get open in in high school and in college. They are such big, dominant athletes that they don't need to learn how to run routes. Yeah, did, they can just go and post this guy up. Yeah, when it gets to the NFL, these linebackers are just as fast, did, just as strong. So it's harder to you have to learn a route tree. Basically, the tight ends see, don't come into it with one. Did you see the play in the Pittsburgh game on Thursday night? There was a great play where the tight end they're at the one yard line and the tight end blocks and he blocks in and he waits till the last second. And then goes to the end zone with his hand up in the air. And Jesse James, his name is, and he caught the ball. It was the easiest pass that Ben Roethlisberger had for the whole game. I think the only touchdown that didn't go to Antonio Brown. Lightning round. (laughs) Rick Hahn talking about uh, star of the future, Eli Jimenez. I always say Jimenez. You say Jimenez? Jimenez. Jimenez. Rick Hahn talking about uh, the star of the future. Also reminding Cub fans and Sox fans that the second player that we sort of forget to talk about, uh, two for one for Jose Quintana. Oh, by the way, did you see the ESPN expert somewhere out east uh, ranking the uh, top three candidates for the National League Cy Young Award uh, next year? One and two, no surprise, Kershaw and Maxie, uh, Max uh, Scherzer. Scherzer yeah. And number three, Jose Quintana, the there Cubs. You go. He said that. I think he's just trying to cheer up Cub fans because they're still upset that they got rid of Eloy Jimenez. Well, I'll throw a little cold water on that. They also gave up the second guy to Cubs, Dylan Cease, C-E-A-S-E. Yep. And uh, Rick Hahn, uh, very impressed, it says, with the 100-mile-an-hour right-hander Dylan Cease, who, according to Gordon Wittenmeyer, quote, has an even better of a breaking ball than the 100-mile-an-hour heater and is in the White Sox plans for a future role in the rotation mm. the Sox envision. We'll wait and see. I, uh, baseball Prospectus came out with the top 10 White Sox prospects for yeah. this year. Uh-huh. It's got Jimenez, one, Kopech, two, Alec Hansen, the right-handed pitcher, three, and Dylan Cease, four. All right. Ahead of well, Louis Robert and Jake Berger and Dane Dunning uh-huh. and Zach Collins. And they have Carson Fulmer, 10, well, five who's man. already going to be in the roster. But they have him fifth. He's your fifth starter in a five-man rotation. Fourth. They have him fourth. I'm sorry, I thought you said yeah, fifth. fourth. Wow. Yeah. All right. So I don't, I'd, I'd rather have him in the bullpen. So if the Cubs had developed, Theo had developed in five, six years, one starting pitcher. Eli Jimenez would still be a Cub. And yeah. Dylan Cease. Uh-huh. All right. I'm in a good mood. Don't want to ruin it. <laughs> They're all going to the Hall of Fame. Back in a flash. Murph and Fred just here till 11. Stick around. Final couple uh, nuggets. Yeah, don't forget, if you're anywhere in the Elgin area, head on out to Rookies in Elgin for the college football tailgate. Jay Hood, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. Abdallah's the one that's not going to be wearing a sports coat. You'll be able to find him easily. Vote at ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Home stretch, Murph and Fred, normally till noon. Going to step aside at 11. For a college football tailgate. Cool. Hood, Black, Abdallah, out of Rookies and Elgin. EL11, what were the results? Twitter poll was, who is saying no to Jake Arrieta and his agent's salary demands? You know, seven years, million dollars a year, or whatever. I mean, $100 million a year. That'd be pretty good. You get a million dollars a year. Yeah. Sorry about that. 
Uh, who's saying no? Theo? Tom Ricketts? Crane Kenny, the money man, or all of the above? Uh, I'm guessing uh, D. What, what yeah, do you think, Fred? I'm, I'm saying D also, all the above. Eric? All right, 2% says Crane Kenny will say no. 5% says Ricketts will say no. Right. 35% says Theo would say no. And uh, D, yeah. all the above with sure. 57%. I think pretty much don't discount the uh, power Crane Kenny has over the purse strings, Theo. And Tom Ricketts says, wait a minute, now you're the same guy, Theo, that uh, we spent $48 million on uh, free agent Edwin Jackson and $184 million on free agent Jason Hayward. Fred, that's a quarter of a billion dollars. Well, you know what Theo said? Quarter of a billion dollars. Theo just said, "Yeah, sorry. <laughs> My mistake. Yeah. My bad. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's a millennial. Thanks for the extension. My bad. Thanks for the uh, five-year he's extension. He's a little older millennial. $10 million yeah. a year. Uh-huh. Hey, miss a little, miss a lot. Mark Potash. Does a great job at the Sun-Times. Uh, visited this week for a, uh, uh, a wonderful visit. Great. We have Mark on a lot. Good to hear him during the week also. And Cap asked Mark Potash, miss a little, miss a lot. He says, do you think the Bears uh, uh, are going to make a quick decision? Uh, and, uh, you know, Ryan pays a quick decision if they bring in a new head coach. <laughs> Potash. The way the Bears do it uh, might be different from the way Ryan Pace wants to do it. The Bears <laughs> generally wait uh and 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 kind of are, are are patient, and they end up kind of losing out on sometimes you know the better candidates. Ryan Pace, right. I'm sure he knows if he doesn't know now, pretty soon he'll know who he wants, and he'll want to get him. And I think he will win out in that scenario. <laughs> he'll find out how the Bears do things around yeah. here yeah. If, if he hasn't already. <laughs> yeah, not many not many teams really get rid of their guys before the season's over. We'll wait and see how long it takes. But, uh, yeah, Black Monday could be very interesting this year for the Bears. What a big loss uh, Tom Compton was, too. No one talks about the backup. Uh, then, but, you know, you, you lose long, goes there, and then, start, then you got uh, Tom Compton. Very competent. He goes, he's not ready. So all of a sudden now you got to move Grassu in at center and move Whitehair over, and then all, all the hell breaks loose. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll break it down for you tomorrow, 9 till noon, right here with uh, me and Steve Michael McMichael. Great job, EO11, Eric Ostrowski, Murph, and Fred Sian. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and see you later, everybody.